When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on a Friday evening. As always, I'm joined by Andrew Combo Salop to discuss everything that's going on this past week, including uh, some interesting trades that we need to really go through and talk about. I'm sure everyone wants to hear about that. Uh, that We had the draft yesterday that seemed to go on forever. Uh, but Combo, how are you feeling this, uh, this evening? Rainy day here in New York City, but... All is well. All right. Rainy day. I don't know what that's like. We have not had a rain in a while, but we had so much rain for so long that I could, we need a break out here. And we actually had a sunny day. It's nice. So I'm looking forward to having the rest of our days in the summer in LA like that. Uh, It's been hot though. I imagine in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the nice, the nice days have been really nice. So it's summertime. It's officially summer. So we're good. That's right. Had the longest day of the year the other night. And uh, here we are. Let, let's break into it because I had an interesting tweet about um, the, uh, the Celtics. It seemed to go around the world a little bit. Uh, and that was about the fact that by doing this trade where they get uh, Porzingis, but also part with Marcus Smart in those two different uh, moves, they really uh, improved their roster. I had been saying that Marcus Martin needed to be the guy to get traded to raise their ceiling, and I don't think Celtics fans wanted to believe me. Yeah, I think it's because they feel like he's the heart and soul of the Celtics, and he provides leadership, and I think he's just a fan favorite there for many years. He's just one of those guys that the fans gravitate towards, and they really never want to see – they didn't never really want to see him go. Right. And, and I listen, I, I, I love the hustle. You know, he, he do plays that every coach would love to see uh, how he just let it all on the floor. But, you know, it's 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 not like I'm just complaining randomly about some player and quote unquote hating on him. I would bring receipts and time after time, his position in the offense particularly was really frustrating. His decision making on his shots would be bad. His finishing would be wild. I mean, wild stuff at the rim. You never know which foot or which hand it's going to come off and where the ball is going to bounce. And even though he was not obviously the number one option or the number two option, the way the offense was structured, he just seemed to control way too many possessions. And that was always the issue. If he could have been a guy that didn't do that as much, um, then you get like the good defense, which isn't, it isn't always great either. Um, and then you can do something with that. But I always felt like there was, he's just going to end up making, you just can't trust him deep enough into these playoff games in the Eastern Conference finals or finals uh, to help you get over the hump. And I, and I, I don't think that um, that's a hot take. And I don't think the Celtics front office disagree with me. Yeah. Now we just have to see who's going to step up and become a leader of this team. Al Horford's obviously one of their leaders. But he's aging and, you know, he's kind of he's going to end up being like in that Udonis role eventually. Obviously, he'll play more than Udonis, but something like that. But, you know, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, obviously, their two best players really have to step up in a leadership role. Uh, I I agree. And I think that they're probably quiet, uh, you know, to some degree. They don't need simply they don't uh, inspire in that way. But I think you got guys like Brogdon and, and Derek White. Who can fill that gap, at least production-wise? And Brogdon's a good leader. And so I think I think that might be what they need. Now, you know, everyone wanted to crap on him for the, his playoff performance, but it turns out I think he was probably hurt a lot longer than we thought he was. And that makes sense to me because he didn't look like the same guy that was, um, you know, did he win the sixth six man of the year? He won it, right? Who yes. won it? He won it, yeah. So he didn't look like the sixth man it, yeah. of the year. And, um, you know, and, and clearly we found out why. So... That that is a thing I think that they that they they probably looked at all the different variables and realized yes we can get something done here and then we got to talk about how KP fits in. Oh yeah, he's a great fit. I think I think he provides them a different look at the big man position, a guy that could stretch it, a guy that could get his own off in the mid range and with his back turns to the basket in the post. 
Um, they never had a big like this, I don't think. I mean, besides Garnett, obviously, he's an all-time great, but I'm not talking about him. But on top of that, to your Brogdon point, he was almost gone in a trade. So it's I really like the idea of them keeping him. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I didn't understand. What was that? That what part of that 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 was a different trade that fell through, right? Now I'm forgetting because it's a I long I think week. it was uh, the I think it was the Clippers. Am I oh, being, yes. am I mistaken? Uh, yeah, and I like that for the Clippers. You know, again, I like yes. Brogdon spitting yes. a lot of teams. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was the Clippers. It was a three-team trade, perhaps. Oh, my goodness gracious. What was that? Someone's going to tell us in the comments. But which reminds me, by the way, if you want your question asked in the uh, on the, I'll put it on the screen and we'll give you some love. Uh, the Super Chat is the way to go over on the YouTube side. So uh, please get on that if you like and uh, get your questions in and we'll take care of them. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's weird that like, you go from being traded basically to now you're the integral starter that you need to have. And I think what the starting five is now interesting for the Celtics. I'm not sure if there's been a lot of reporting on this yet or what they're thinking, but um, obviously Rob Williams has to be a little bit, you know, scratching his head because I don't know how they fit that. And I could see Rob Williams and, and uh, Al Horford starting together, but I don't necessarily see, I, I, well, obviously I don't see Rob Williams and KP starting alongside each other. Do you? No, I even think Al Horford and KP's a little off, right? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, don't think it's ideal with the way the way I don't think it's ideal with the way basketball is played today. Yeah, but I mean, listen, KP is going to be popping and, and giving that space, but so is Horford, and then and then KP yeah. does go down low as well, and and has finally found some some success yeah. down there. So I, I don't know. I mean, okay, I can tell you who's going to start as far as we we know that J Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to start. Um, I, I, I think, think I I like I really. I really like Grant Williams with KP. I like that. Is mix. Grant Williams still there? I feel like I saw something about him getting traded. Or is he a free agent? What nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I think he might be a free agent. Yeah. Let's see. I feel like, are we like, um, is there a delay? Yeah, I think so. Looks like he's a free agent. Um, so they got to feel figure that one out. I and mean, he's really young and they forgot about him, I think, in stretches. And I, I would have forgot about him too. I feel like there are times when, you know, I, I like Grant Williams, and he's probably the, the, one of the best locker room guys you're going to find in the NBA. But I just feel like sometimes if you've got to pay, play him more than about 20 minutes a game, then you're then you're then you have a problem with your team. Um, you know what I mean? I feel like you, you can get the solid 18 minutes out of him and get some good production. That's about all you want if you intend to get to the finals, for instance. Even though he made it, he was starting, wasn't he, uh, when they got to the finals? Um, or he was playing a lot, and I had forgotten that and kind of was like, well, okay, I guess they were able to have some proof of concept there. But it just still feels to me uh, that you'd have to do something like, okay, KP, Brown, um, Tatum, uh, you know, now Derek, Derek White. White. I like yeah. Brogdon starting maybe better, or maybe both of those guys. And if you're too busy to cook this summer while you're developing your game, then skip the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleanup too by ordering Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kits delivered straight to your door. If you're trying to get back in shape for the beach, try Factor's delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with no more than 550 calories per serving. You can choose from 34 plus chef prepared options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash bball50 and use code bball50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code bball50 at factormeals.com slash bball50 to get 50% off your first box. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I definitely want Brogdon to start on this team. I think they need that point guard, and I think he's a point guard. I think he's like a really modern point guard because he could set the team up, but he could also score. So I think that's what you need, and this team just lacks some – game managing with their starting lineup. So I totally agree with you that they should start Brogdon moving forward. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so, okay. So now we got four guys, right? We have Brogdon Brown, and then you can do that in the back. I mean, what's the back court? What's the front court? doesn't really matter anymore. KP Brogdon, Brown. What's that? KP. Yeah. Brogdon Brown, KP uh, Tatum. And um, now you have a choice. I mean, you could, you could, I mean, you could go Horford. You could go white. Yeah. I mean that just can Brown and, and Tatum be in the in the front court? I feel like that's what they were doing in the very beginning when they had that surprising run in early in their careers, right? Yeah. Why not Tatum at the four? 
Right. Yeah. Why not? I mean, at this point, his size, he is of he's a four. Hell, you can play Tatum at the five at this point. Pretty, you know, against teams that don't have a post up center. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely get away with that in the regular season. Um, I mean, if you end up playing against like Denver in the finals, you're definitely gonna have to like bring in some more Al Horford minutes or some more Rob Williams minutes. But like for the East, for the East in the regular season, they could definitely get away with that. I think. So, yeah, so the question here is, do they start to phase Horford out and then Rob, uh, Rob Williams gets more of those minutes anyway? Um, you know, but, but you know, if, if they do that, then, like, again, you, you kind of start to think, well, are they going to try and start those two together? Uh, I mean, listen, KP does stretch the floor. He doesn't necessarily – you're not going to have two centers, like, three out, two in, like we used to see all the time. Um, so you can get those guys out on the perimeter. Uh, I think defensively is interesting as well because KP is long and he can cover some ground and, and, and recover for guys who might get beat. So I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of moving parts here. I suppose the question then is, are the Celtics finished or is there anything else they might do? But I, I don't know. I think that they did a lot already. Do you, do you think they're going to do anything else? I'm sure they will because I think a lot of these teams are going to make more moves. It feels a little incomplete still. I feel like there's something missing. Um you might want to bring in some more defensive-minded players because, you know, Smart was good on that end. Uh, maybe another veteran because of Smart's leadership, kind of like fill some of those holes that are leaving with Marcus. So I think there's some things they could still do. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I, I just, I mean, first of all, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Grant Williams if they're going to try to resign him or not. But um, that goes to let's the next thing we could look at real quick would be the Warriors. Uh, first of all, Draymond opts out which is interesting. The argument could very well be that he, um, he just, he wants to re-sign, but for more years at a discounted rate perhaps. Uh, but it, it is interesting that, that he would do that versus, you know, opt in and, and get the, the most money he could for this year. So, um, you know, I, I think what that says in a couple of different things is a couple of different ways would be like, I, I know my market value isn't that high. I'm not going to mine. This is if this is my last good contract before I get too old and my back starts to go, then, you know, I want to try and get maximize that, which is why he wants to do a four years versus the one. Uh, but that said, you know, it does open him up for someone to try and poach him. But does he have a lot of value around the league? I heard the Kings are interested. Um, I would say that. That's a weird mix with him. It's a bonus. But I would say, if, in my opinion, if Draymond leaves the Warriors, it's, it's the end of an era. Like, it's the end of that dynasty, I think, for sure. Because the way he fits in with Clay and Steph on the defensive side and as a passer, it's just like they'll never be the same, in my opinion. Well, that is true. And, you know, if there was a team that ran an offense that, you know, Draymond could fit in well with, it would be the Kings. Um, who do a lot of similar things to the Warriors, but also had just massive amounts of cutting and movement. Uh, he'd be terrific in that. But again, you know, is he going to play alongside Sabonis? I don't, I mean, that would be two non-shooters basically, which is yeah. what the Warriors do, right? So they they kind of do that. Uh, and so maybe they could figure that out. But, um, and they obviously have Mike Brown, who is no stranger to Draymond Green. On the flip side, if the Warriors do want to keep Draymond, well, then we have an interesting thing here, which, um, is that you have Chris Paul and Draymond Green on the same team. And that, yeah, that is doesn't mix either. I don't know how well that works. Uh, what do you think? You want to hear something ironic, Coach Nick? What? A big reason why the Chris Paul archetype is now an endangered species is because of the Warriors' influence on basketball. And now he's on the Warriors. Oh, interesting. Right. Everybody wants to go um, to, you know, have a have a Steph Curry kind of guy uh, or Damian Lillard. And Chris Paul is not that. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if someone said, OK, you could pick a guy who's who's the 20 year old version of Chris Paul. You know, I don't know. I, I still think you'd, you, you, you would want something like that. I mean, right. Like, uh, gosh, I'd be really big. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, What's his face from um, who just got traded uh, from Memphis? Um, he's not. Oh, Tyus. Yeah, Tyus Jones is not the, obviously yeah. not as good as Chris Paul. But if we're talking about that, he, he's so rock solid, you know what I mean, in the way he plays. I know we did, so he didn't have a great playoff series this year, whatever. Um, 
you know, but there, but there, there's, there's a similarity in that kind of way he plays that, you know, it seems like you'd have a lot of value and he doesn't, the teams he's on keep trading it. <laughs> they don't recognize. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, that one reason is the Warriors influence. And the other reason I think is like LeBron James a little bit and just giving your best player the ball, no matter yeah. how big he is. Like they do that with Luca. They do that with Giannis. They do that with LeBron. They do that with Jokic where it's just like, you don't need a traditional point guard. Just give your best player the basketball and let him go. So it's a combination of those two things where I think we don't see that position as much, but it's just ironic to me that CCP three on this team, that kind of like shifted yeah. away from the classic point guard. Well, you know, obviously they, they, they wanted to do something with the Jordan pool role. Uh, so CP three is coming off the bench. I'm assuming he'll be okay with that. And, uh, and you know what, it does provide a little bit of, well, here's the thing. Like if, if clay is going to struggle a little bit and maybe get, you know, not, not be as healthy as they need him to be. And that's a real big issue with him. Although I want to say he played, how many games did he play last year? He played, um, played he played 69. So he actually played a lot of, yeah. a lot of games like enough. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like I wasn't the, the, the production. And by the way, he also, the production was there. It was it, it very much his career numbers uh, at, at, in terms of scoring. Now he shot 41% from three, took 10 threes a game. And was only at 436 uh, from the from the overall field goal percentage. It's a little bit low for him, but you know what? At, at age 32, 10th year in the league, whatever it was, after all those injuries, that's like pretty good. But we, you know, it just didn't seem like the playoffs uh, were were a place where he was going to shine. 18 and a half points a game in the playoffs, at, with a lot more minutes he played, uh, and then just shot horribly from from overall, and then not great from three. So, you know, this is some insurance perhaps, but, um, you know, because I, I don't see them playing CP3 alongside Steph too much. It's kind of, I don't think that that will work really well either for some reason. Uh, I think defensively, I guess I'd be more concerned with. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there's a few reasons why this dynasty is coming to an end. And I think, you know, Draymond, if he leaves, it's definitely an end. But one of them is Clay is not who he used to be. Two is that the rest of the league caught up to the Warriors when it comes to three-point shooting in some degree. They just shoot more threes than ever before. And three, the two-timeline thing. The two-timeline thing. Like, I don't... I, they actually won a championship with it, so... Uh, which was pretty remarkable, but I think it kind of, like, caught up to them now. Right. I hear you. Um, I was going to say about that, which... Um... Oh, my goodness gracious. I forgot what I was going to say. We, oh, I know. We're, we're talking about uh, with Gary Payton. I was looking that up real quick. What was, it, what was I going to say? Anyway, I, I'll remember it. But um, someone was wondering if, there's, if that's just like a piece that hasn't happened for CP3 being a trade. I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I get him just to make another trade for something else. But um, I, obviously, they wanted to upgrade the pool position and get more of a steady presence there. And that'll certainly do that. But um, before we get too far, let's get to our first um, super chat from friend of the breakdown, the shiny Haxorus. Thank you so much for the generous super chat. Really appreciate it, shiny. Uh, hated the CP3 trade at first, but cutting down on mistakes in non-curry minutes makes a huge difference. And he's got lob targets with JK and Jackson Davis kid. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, Jackson Davis, I don't think it's going to play, but what well, we could see. And, uh, and Kaminga, you know, you hope he continues to develop a, a little bit more than he did last year uh, and figure some things out. But um you know, uh, it's it's uh, I, I can't quite figure out what this team is, especially. I mean, the Draymond question mark is a big one. Do you think he's going to sign back with the Warriors? I do. I, I think so, too. I mean, they're offering him a decent you know thing. They're at four years and gosh, I, I think it was like 80 million, something like that. Maybe it's what they'd offer him or something like that. Um, you know, a, a, a nice contract to end it, you know, to sort of finish out his career. I would think I, I don't see Draymond playing much beyond like 36. Do you? No, no. I think if he's if he's lucky, he'll get there. But hopefully for him, he can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and, there, and it should be fun to see Chris Paul. You know, I mean, is Chris Paul going to run off screens a little bit and do that? Oh, I think I know the point I was going to make was, you know, uh, if there was a candidate for a guy that like should have shot more threes in his career uh, and then it gets the Warriors like this is the guy who might all of a sudden just let it rip and, and watch for him to really increase his like per 36 three point attempts. I'm going to look at it right now to see what it is. It's, it's going to be criminally low because he's a pretty good shooter. Just never shot a lot of them, but um, you know, I'm trying to think in Houston, let's go per 36 just to kind of normalize everything here. So, so um, in, in his Houston days, you know, he remember he played 58 and 58. He didn't play, uh, you know, a ton of games in either of those years, but per 36, that was his high. The f one year, let's see the, uh, the, First year, he took 7.4 threes per 36, and then the next year, 6.9. And 
Uh, None of the rest of his career after that really isn't much very close to that. So I would predict that, yeah, he'll be he'll be up there at at least seven or eight three point attempts per 36 minutes for sure. Yeah. To um, Shiny's super chat, I think Kaminga and Moody definitely have to make a step forward. He mentioned Kaminga here, but um, their young players just have to play better. So, and I don't think Jackson Davis will play right away, but you know, he's interesting. Um, I feel like Kaminga is not as much of a lob threat as he should be. I see most of his dunks like him with the basketball, right? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to picture, like, I don't think he got a ton of those. Not like your traditional seven footer running a little bit, which they had that in Wiseman. Um, But, um, but yeah, but you know, he, he can do it and he's a threat to do that without question. Um, and if he could figure out a little bit more about how the offense can work for him, then that would happen more. But uh, we shall see. I suppose, you know what, they, 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 here's the problem. If it doesn't go well, for instance, in the beginning for Kaminga, if he hadn't figured things out, whatever, then his trade value goes down because they'd probably want to trade him quickly at that point and say it's just not working because I, I give him 30 games, right? But the problem is, is that if it's not working, that means his numbers aren't great and people, he probably won't have a good market. So it's a, I suppose the solution would be for the Warriors is they have to hope that he comes in and just starts to figure things out right away. Yeah, I told those guys definitely have to step up. So that's a big key for them this season because they didn't get enough from them last season. M- Moody showed some flashes, though. I think he could be a really good player on a winning team eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Moody's the kind of guy who, yeah, who, who could come in like that uh, in a different way. But like when you saw what uh, Christian Brown was doing, you know, for the for Nuggets, for instance, right? Um, yeah. You could just see it. He was contributing. He can make plays. He could do things and, and just be, fit into the team with whatever they need him to do. And Moody has that feel as well. Yep, yep. And also, Moody's a better shooter than Brown. So we'll see. I feel like I was looking at Brown's like college numbers, and it, it indicated that he would have been a lot better uh, if he just would do them and, and get you know uh, confidence. I hate that word. But, you know, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. I notice he doesn't load the wrist at the free throw line. His his wrist is very neutral. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, in at in, uh, at Kansas, you know, he was there for three years. His his career percentage from three was uh, almost thirty eight percent, and it, last year was th- about thirty nine. So he he can make them. You know, I didn't take a ton, but he can make them. So I would expect him to start to find more of that range because he he'll have plenty to be you know of, of those opportunities in their offense. Yeah, that's a huge key for them if he could improve as a shooter for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, now, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna almost need to if Bruce has to leave, right? Because he's probably gonna have to play more minutes. Yeah, the now Bruce Brown had come out and said that money is the most important thing, which is if you're a Nuggets fan, have to be ecstatic to hear at the very least if he's gonna say that out loud. I know his agent probably ain't real happy that he, that he said it, but um, but if that is and, and by the way, I I think that Bruce Brown would probably benefit again from staying where he is. He's got a, a really great defined role that lets him have some freedom on offense where he could probably fill it up a little bit. And I would expect even to the next year, if they're going to want to manage uh, Jamal's minutes a little bit, maybe um, um, let's see. Uh, yeah. Any, uh, let's see Murray's minutes, any of the other guards I'm trying to think like KCPs. So he'll, he might get a, a bigger bump and, you know, there's always that sort of, a lot of times you see a, a younger team kind of break through, win a title, and then the next year they really start, you know, get the glow and, and win a lot of games. Uh, and this would be an opportunity because if he can get established on a team that wins a couple of uh, titles, then his next contract will be, you know, he could write his ticket for every once. And so that would be, in my mind, where he should stay here. So I, I don't think there's a better connection for him or a, a better role for him anywhere else. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say that like that guy fits probably on almost every NBA team, but I do agree with you. This is his best situation basketball wise. I think actually Jamal Murray. I don't think they load manage him next year. I think he, you know, he's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he'd never been on an All Star team. He's probably going to average oh. some more points in the regular season. So I, I think he's going to have a big year there. I, and I don't think it's going to be to the Nuggets' detriment. I think it's just like he's going to carry a bigger load next season. All right. I just, you know, I get nervous about him and I don't want him to, you know, get either run down by the end of the year or, or, or hurt. Uh, he played 65 games last year and he played a little under 33 minutes per game, which is really great. I mean, I don't think they're going to play him more than 33 minutes a game. So I think that we know, mm-hmm. which will probably keep his production down a little bit. But, you know, the, the, the most anyone's going to play at that position is probably 34 or 35, maybe. So we'll see. But, you know, I, you know, they're so well balanced. I don't he's never going to end up. That's the question is, is he going to have enough 
um, stats by the all-star break to get on the all-star team. You know what I mean? Usually it's reserved for the guys who are scoring 25, 26, 27 points a game. And, you know, he'll probably still be in that 2021, but they'll be killing people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people will try and vote him in just from what he's did in the playoffs of winning a championship. Uh, you know, I mean, there is something that I don't agree with that model because, you know, how I am with the MVPs, I like to look at it as a year by year basis. But right. there's definitely some of that. I think like people are just going to want to see him in the all star game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hear you. And, and that, that, that could happen. I mean, certainly Canada can vote for him. Uh, and if they get that national thing going on, there'll be a lot of people there that want to see him. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Am I missing the other trades? That was that was the big ones. That was all that I think it happened, right? Oh, well, wait, we got to talk about um, uh, well, Marcus Smart going to the Grizzlies now, and mm -hmm. then we could touch upon a little bit about uh, Tyus going to where they send him to Wizards, the Wizards. Yes, thank you. Uh, where, yeah, so they got him for KP. Uh, Smart on the Grizzlies. What are your thoughts? I think Jaws not going. Well, I know Jaws not going to be there for 25 games, so he could initiate some offense for him in that time period. It brings him a leader to the locker room, a guy who's a veteran, a guy who's older. So yeah, I think he fills a gap there for sure. Okay, I mean, listen, it doesn't change my opinion of all the things like that drive me crazy watching him, but um, but does it fit better there? Is there some notion of that where? You know, a different different location, like a different team. Uh, the role could be maybe a little bit more defined. I mean, if I were Marcus's Marcus Smart's coach, like in Boston for these years, I would have really made it defined, like what I needed him to do. And I feel like they never could do that. So either they told him what they needed him to do, and he would always sort of try and get up in front of his skis too often, um, and you just kind of had to shrug and deal with it because you know you're going to get like the defensive player of the year potentially in in, in whatever year that is. Um, but um, here, you know, coming in, and then by the way, then how does that work as far as does he establish something he that it, that seems to maybe maybe be working for twenty five games, and now John Moran comes back, and like that's a that's going to be a real challenge for for Coach Jenkins without question how to integrate Ja having had a uh, more than a quarter of the season without him. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like whatever they're doing now, they need to inject something into that locker room, and I think. He does bring influence to the locker room, but I think that's important. I think almost like on the court fit is almost that's like we're not worried about that. We got to build some kind of culture here. You know, that's most important. And I think he could help them do that with his leadership. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if they had like Steven Adams, like, you know, when you get hurt and you're away from the team, you don't have a lot of that effect that you you could normally have if you're playing. And Steven Adams, that same kind of guy, leadership wise, I think, uh, that that could have that kind of influence they're looking for. Um and anybody else on that team, I don't know. Now, Luke Kennard is still there, right? Let me make sure. I feel like Luke Kennard could help all these teams he's on, and he never get the opportunity he should. I guess it's for defensive reasons, especially in the I playoffs. Yes, but you know, you know, yeah, he's on, he's under contract, a really good contract for them if they play him. Just check what his numbers were. So when he got there uh, in Memphis after the trade. Um, which I, you know, I, I never really quite agree with. I thought the, the Clippers would have been better off keeping him and not get Russ. But um, in, in 24 games with Memphis, he played almost 25 minutes a game and scored 11 points uh, per game. That's pretty good. Uh, and he shot 54% from three. I think I missed that. I think I forgot about that. That's insane. That's a, that, that's a heater for 24 games combo, 54% from three on almost that guy six. Could, that guy could shoot, man. Yeah. So that's a huge, and he can handle, that, and he can facilitate. He could do a lot of things. It's really strange that he's been, you know, struggling know. so in minutes. Tyloo didn't want to play him when I felt like he should have played him, and I love Tyloo as a coach, but I felt like he should have gave him some more opportunity. And these are teams that need shooting, you know. So I don't know. I yeah. just feel like they feel like they can't depend on him defensively. But you know, what we say defense, defense, right? That's what I always say, defense, defense. And then someone else will say that back to me. But, you know, look at the 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 game, uh, the logs in the playoffs this past year. You know, he didn't start at all, but he played, you know, 25, 24, 25. They lost two of the first three to the Lakers. And then at that point, it went to 13 and a half minutes and then 17 and a half minutes in the win. And then didn't even play when they got destroyed in game six. So, um, you know, uh, I, I guarantee they wouldn't have lost by 40 if he had played at all in game six. But. Um, he didn't dress. Remind me, did he now? Did he get hurt? Did he get hurt in game five? Wow, I'm totally blanking on that now. 
But anyway, something happened with him. But he, they need him. I mean, you know, can he start on this team? Like maybe he got, maybe he starts instead um, in the backcourt well, until Jai gets back. Yeah, yeah, he could help them for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I did, I did email Chris, but I don't know if maybe Chris doesn't want to jump on. I saw him in the uh, in the chat, but uh, where are you, Chris? Check your email <laughs> if you want to get on here. But uh, let's see here. Uh, maybe the, this this might have to be a little bit short. Got the family back in town. I got to kind of deal with everything on a Friday. People are probably getting ready to go out these days, right? Everyone, you have any good plans for the weekend combo? I'm going to play basketball tomorrow morning. You're going to play, God bless you, like a five-on-five mm -hmm. full-court run? I do that every week, Coach Nick. Wow. I mean, not every Saturday, but I play, I play. you know, I get on the court. I do some skill development. I play. I lift. I run hills. I, I do a lot. How, how well, well, Give me an age range that you are in now. Upper thirties. Yeah. I mean, I think I was still doing that then too. I, I, you know, I have visions. I'm out there. I'm working with, you know, some players. I have visions of getting back out there. I kind of feel like I may, I could, but then I'm sure as soon as I would be done, I'd be, I'd be ready to collapse and not move for a week. But, um, but yeah, that sounds, that does sound fun uh, at the very least to, to get out there and, and get a little sweat going. But I don't know. I still have this fantasy of maybe like filming it all training to do that again one day, but uh, I don't know. One one ankle, one Achilles, and that's all. It would, it would be over. Um, anyway, what else can we talk about? Anything else? So we're. Uh... Oh, here's a, here's an interesting one. Here's a good thing to talk about when it comes to the draft. Um, oh yeah. So we talked about the top five or six or seven prospects. Can you believe, Coach Nick, that Cam Whitmore dropped to twenty? I cannot. There were some interesting uh, developments here, right? Let me see if I get my notes up here. Like, where are my notes from? From I've heard some I've heard some things about why, but you could share yours first. Okay, well, hang on. Let me. Um, did I not? Where did my? But the the thing was is that like when you were talking about the prospects, you specifically, Coach Nick, were saying that like you felt Amen wasn't ready, and Cam was, and Amen was the fourth pick to the Rockets, and Cam was the twentieth, which is kind of crazy, right? Yes. So let me go back to uh, yeah. No, Whitmore, I really liked, and yeah, Amen was um was not ready. Let me let me look at the let me get the Do let me ask you this about them. Do you feel like Abe Men has a higher ceiling? Than who? Than Cam, even though you feel like he's not oh, ready now. Like I, I you know, I could see that. I could see people saying that and and you know, yeah, there, there's something there maybe athletically that would that Amen can get to that maybe uh Whitmore couldn't, but uh who got Whitmore? Uh he got he went down to where No, he's same team. That's what I'm telling you, Coach Nick. Oh, he went to the Rockets. Both, yeah, they're both with the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the very least, you know, he, Whitmore should, you know, get plenty of opportunities. That's good. Uh, versus going to a better team, but you know, I, I was thinking at the end of the first round, it would have been a really good team. He wasn't off the bench, but um, it'll be interesting to see because that dynamic gets kind of screwy on a team when let's just pretend Cam Whitmore comes in. He's more polished. He's more whatever experienced and um, and does better, right? It's uh, possible. How does that affect it? It's possible. I don't think it. I don't think it'll affect. The team, first of all, that team's chemistry is not great right now, but I, they're bringing Ime in. But I, I think that's a good thing for the Rockets, right? That's a good problem to have at the end of the day if Cam is playing that well. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it would be. I, I would be very interested to see if that happens because, yeah, I, I'm thinking now there's all the other controversy before we forget it would be the Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson thing, right? That sort of well, a I, order. Well, yeah, I agreed with what Michael Jordan did there in his, in his parting move. Yeah, no, I felt like, look, yes, can you say that Scoot was the best prospect available and that's what you usually should go with? Sure, but I felt like it was so close that you actually do go with fit there and he's just a better fit, in my opinion, next to LaMelo. I feel like if you bring Scoot in there, it takes the ball out of LaMelo's hands and I think LaMelo is a bona fide star that you move forward with that's only getting better, that's very young. And, yeah. you know, Brandon Miller's a wing player and he just meshes better with LaMelo, in my opinion. Right now, and Miller likes the ball in his hands too, right? He likes to, uh, you know, not like it's not as it's not as much needed as like a scoot. I feel like you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny. I had forgotten to mention this in the during the live show before, but uh, remind me why he he was twenty years old but only played one year. He seems old uh, for where he played for his experience in college. Who knows? It's all mixed. You know, what's crazy. Cam Whitmore is younger than Amen, which is kind of crazy, right? Oh, I don't think I realized that either. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, because that is interesting. So, um, 
because it's weird. Did you see the response when they asked him about when they asked uh, Mitch Kupchak about Brandon Miller? No, what did he say? He he was weird. He bumbled through some strange answer about his age and his experience, and it. it, it, it I mean. Maybe maybe Kupchak had been up all, for the last three or four nights in a row, but it, it kind of sounded like he didn't know anything or didn't know much about Brandon Miller. That's um, not good. That's not good. He's a top three no, prospect. You know, and it was like, well, it was the kind of thing where like they, they had Scoot the whole time. They were all set to go, and then somehow, some way, maybe not. You know, uh, it wasn't um, uh, Kupchak's choice. Like they just took Brandon Miller, and now he, you know, he needs to catch up on what he's about. I don't know. It was very very strange. Um, yeah, I tell you, somebody had sent over a YouTube video with uh, Mike Miller working with the Thompson Twins. Did you ever see How this from, like from a year ago? It sounds familiar. Um, I hadn't seen it, but are we? I don't know. I, I it was. Um, do we do we want to get into it on, with other people and trainers and stuff? I don't know. But uh, what do you mean? Why get into it? Because it was. Um, atrocious <laughs> what he was doing <laughs> um you, you know especially with the kids if it was a year ago those guys are really young, it? trying to shoot and I, I couldn't believe what he was having him do what was he having them do i mean you know square the basket no dip um uh just st weird stuff um and uh you know but but by the way stuff that you would have seen when he was playing like to the letter Whatever the best shooting coach was when he was playing, exactly what that you'd see then, which at this point now, 15, 20 years later, is not how the best way to do it. And so, um, you know, but we but you still have guys who are doing it that way. In fact, I, I can show you like the way Mike Miller himself shot isn't the way he's training his shooters. It's weird. Yeah, maybe 15 years from today, we'll know even more. Okay, I know we might, we're not going to come back around to where it was 15 years ago. I'll tell you that. But speaking of which, we have Chris come on the show with us. Chris, what's going on, my man? Hey guys, how you doing? Are you going to spam up, now? Is that happening? Yeah, I just saw it was in spam. That's where it was. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's weird. I don't know why. Well, just put it on the list. But what's going on, Chris? What did you think about? Uh, let's you know, give us your take on the draft. Uh, no, let's give us your take on. Um, on uh let's see how about kp and the celtics um i think it was a move that uh i saw someone tweet about it basically brad stevens basically saw the finals saw how uh the two-man games between jimmy butler and bam and jamal murray and um and Jokic, um even going back to lebron and ad it's really the successful teams have a two-man game steph and draymond have something they can go to and i think the Celtics didn't really have one. Their two best players weren't involved enough. And it's kind of because they're kind of like size and the defenders that if they're switching and stuff like that, it's really the same type of defender that's on them. Um, and one guy isn't really the best creator um, and can't, can't dribble <laughs> with his left hand. So uh, getting a KP, it's really now on Jason Tatum to be like, hey, can he figure out some type of two-man game between him and KP at an endgame situations and stuff like that, score easier. So it makes sense in that aspect. Um, it sucks that Marcus Smart does it does have to go just because of the first trade that had Brogdon leaving, leaving at first and being able to keep uh, Smart. And is, Smart does have his warts and stuff like that, but – he does provide a decent amount of playmaking and versatility on defense that uh, is going to be a little bit hard to replace now, I think. But yeah. the team has all the tools to win. So, yeah, I want, I'm looking at that. What, what was the deal? The, the deal was um, the first one or the second one? Well, the, the first one was that Brockton failed a uh, or couldn't, didn't have time to complete the physical. Exactly. So For the Clippers. Um, and I think that had to do with Kawhi's timetable. Maybe Brogdon now, really, maybe Brogdon really just wanted to stay. Maybe, but I just saw a report that Kawhi just had some knee cleanup in in his knee. They just cleaned up some stuff in his knee, a minor thing. So I think his timetable and Brogdon's injury, they didn't want to risk it. Wait, whose knee was cleaned up? Kawhi's. Kawhi. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I mean, and if I were if I were Brogdon, I'm like, okay, it's a great situation potentially with Kawhi and Paul George, but man, they they are getting injured every year and can't keep it together. So, do yeah. I want to be part of that? And by the way, he should look in the mirror <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, um, but but I, you know, I, it's funny, and I think that's probably why he stuck it out in the playoffs this year, right? It sounded like yeah. he shouldn't have been playing at least for part of that, and uh, and you in his production really suffered from that so i feel like he might have been having i had a chip on his shoulder to prove oh i'm i know i'm always hurt but i'm gonna play through this one that's you know it's not always the best answer either but um but i you know i've been saying i I thought that you know smart was the guy that just you know couldn't make good enough consistent decisions uh and had the ball in his hands too many too often to be in that position to do that um so now kp if they don't, they can get him in the post. I'm trying to picture like that crunch time stuff too. Because your point is interesting. Because I would have said, you know, it would have been nice to get Tatum and Brown moving together in some two man action themselves, right? Yeah. It's always good to get your two best players to do that, and they really didn't. Um, but now you could get some stuff where you throw the ball to KP in the post and the low post. Now you can have those two guys slitting and doing some stuff like the Warriors do. That's exactly. interesting to me. We'll have to find out if they if they have that in their bag and they want to do it, but. Um, but I think that that would give a lot of uh, problems for the defense. Yeah, there's no more scapegoat now for these two, which for Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor now for this team either, because used to be all oh, smart is holding them back, all his decision making stuff like it's now on those two. So if they don't perform, if they don't, you know, reach the goals that they they're supposed to, then there's no nowhere to hide. Yeah, they're talking about Smart's defensive player of the year award when he got it, and you know, listen. Uh, it's tough because he's the, one of the only guards ever to win the award. Um, uh, but I, I've always had issues with his defense too. I felt like, you know, it, it, that's not always consistent. It's just sort of like a, he's a player who probably just shouldn't have been playing 35 minutes a game, whatever it is. And if you compare those minutes down to like 28 or 27, you get the best of Marcus Smart and you can kind of pair off some of the things that drive me crazy. But, um, you know, it's an interesting role. Now, how do you think that works in Memphis now, A, with, uh, without Ja, and then when Ja comes back? I think the the Grizzlies finally have an adult in the room. So <laughs> they're finally going to, you know, play with some type of, uh, I guess you can say poise. And um, I, I guess like not hierarchy, but like defined uh, roles in, in that kind of sense. Like, hey, he knows how to win. This is what it takes to win at this type of level. And he can play. It's not like he's an old vet, right? So he's going to be able to play big minutes for them. He'll be able to teach them a lot of stuff that they kind of lacked. Uh, the discipline, the the showboating kind of thing. They, they haven't really won anything, which is, you, you know, kind of frowned, frowned upon in the league kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see, but I think it definitely helps them. Definitely helps, especially defensively. You're basically replacing Mark Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart, right? Um. Yeah, yeah, and it's just such a wildly different thing, right? You're not when you replace the, that with that. That I can't quite wrap my head around either. Uh, what that means, because uh, uh, again, Dylan Brooks uh, needed they needed to upgrade that position without question. But I don't know if Marcus Smart is the thing that you want to upgrade him with, right? Do you do you think? Do you guys think that? Um... Well, I think that Marcus Smart guards better, bigger players better than smaller guards at this point of, of his career. How do you? I think he could easily replace the guys that Dylan Brooks had to guard in that sense. I don't know. What do you think, Kambo? Yeah, I, I, I think he's better on big wings than smaller, quicker guys for sure. You know, and there's a lot of those. So we'll see what the votes. I feel like he fell off defensively from two years ago in general. Definitely. Why, why do you think that is? I think he's just banged up. Why? In my opinion, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, their defense, their defense as a co- as a cohesive unit wasn't as good either for a lot of this year. That's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. So when you got when you see other guys, it's like a group effect, you know, that everybody feeds off each other. And on both sides of the floor, they were lacking some chemistry this season at certain points of the season. Um, here's a tweet that went around a little bit uh, today. Uh, what do you guys think? Can you read that? Is that big enough? It says, uh, no country for college big men. This is from Jim Weber, who says, because of the way NBA has changed, three of the best players in college basketball went unpicked in the draft in 2023. Adam Sonogo, Oscar Chibwe. I don't know how you say his last she, name. Chibwe. It's just Chibwe. The T is silent. And then, oh, sorry, Chibwe. And then Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. 
Um, I have some thoughts on two of these guys. I didn't see yeah, definitely. definitely. He said, yeah. I mean, he said it. He said it right. It's because of the NBA way. The M because of the way the NBA has changed. I mean, the answer is right there. Yeah. I, but has has this guy actually seen Oscar Sheedway play basketball? <laughs> no. Here, here's the thing, though. I feel like, I f- I feel like there is a big like. I, I love college basketball, but the the college basketball analysts really do not like the idea of OTE and guys playing overseas and the G League Ignite. Like they're really against that idea and they're traditionalists because a lot of them grew up, you know, their fathers were coaches or they played college basketball and they don't like to see the evolution of what's happening, whether it's good or bad. They may be right. They may be right. They may be wrong, but they seem to really favor the college athlete and not want to see them be overlooked. Well, how about this? This is what I I have a chance to really rant and rave. I I know I touched upon the Mike Miller thing, but, but let's get into some of the college basketball coaches we're at here because um, there are some usual suspects here. So a lot of times you'll hear the coaches themselves say, I'm not here to prepare my players for the NBA. I'm here to win basketball games. And my response has always been, how are those two things different? How are those two things competing? Why would you think that training your players to have multi-skilled you know, positions where they could play in the next level two doesn't help your team then, right now? It, it, it is insane. So Drew Timmy is a great example of that, where they knew within a, after the first year he was there that if they didn't develop any kind of outside game for him, he would never get a shot at the NBA. And I know he declared for the draft and then, went, then, and then canceled that and went back for his last, this last year. Because he was realizing that I don't, my shot's really slow. It's really, uh, you know, I, I can't knock them all down to nail 25 footers with a two motion shot over my head like this. Uh, I don't get a chance to drive too much. I'm not comfortable doing it. Uh, and in fact, if he got in the NBA, that's all he'd be really needed to do that. So and he's not athletic. What's that? He's not athletic either. He's not athletic. That's true. That's true. But you can you can unlock some more of that. But you got a guy like uh, Mark Few, who's a, who's a very, very good college coach. But I, I, I'm sensing that it was like he, he did not do Drew Timmy's any, Drew Timmy any, any favors here by just throwing his ass in the block and letting him tra- travel as he posted up half the time. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Because um, you know what happened, right? I, I posted that video on him, and then they literally started calling travels the next game. And those two things are not uh, exclusive, mutually exclusive. So um, <laughs> nonetheless – uh, you could tell, and, and it's, fr- I'd be frustrated if I was tr- Timmy because I would have wanted reps. I would have wanted development in that area, uh, and whatever. Now, uh, Sonogo was the other same, was same issue there. I saw, you know, he's a very traditional UConn big man, actually, like in the same mold as we've seen them all come out and not do well in the NBA. Now, is that fair to Sonogo? Maybe, maybe not, probably not, but you know, there's a long line of UConn big men who come out and they aren't, aren't nearly as effective as they were in college. Yeah. I mean, I've watched. Shibway and Timmy for the past two years in college and Shibway he doesn't have great hands he he he's an he's a pretty good rebounder but he's just not skilled he's just not a skilled player like at all on offense he if he were to step on the NBA court he's not giving you anything other than rebounding his defense is okay uh if if he was better Kentucky would have been better uh <laughs> they've been very inconsistent for the past two years and Timmy He's an okay postal player, but in the NBA, like he's not going to be able to get those shots off on like real NBA defenders with length and athleticism and stuff like that. That's why they struggled versus Baylor in the finals. It was two years ago. Um, that team was just so much more athletic, had so many more athletes defensively. They were everywhere. He just that whole team just looked outclassed. So I. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if we're talking about Kentucky and we're talking about getting outplayed, there's another point person you can point to pretty obviously um, over on the bench. And uh, that's, that's you know, that's been well documented over here on my channel as far as the, the what how much, uh, you know, yeah. letting them down in game. Uh, yeah. you know, and they only like and I think you mentioned in those videos, like you only have like six, seven months with the guy. So it's. I think with it's a, a lot, lot of those players. Right? <laughs> I, I think, think it's a lot. Of, but I also would mention like the in-game stuff that he could actually do the coaching stuff that he doesn't do other than wave his arms around and pace back and forth and, you know, and, and you know, do this a lot. Like, you know, that, that looks like you're coaching, but, you know, there's things that you're leaving on the table that you could definitely help or cover for all these different things. It's frustrating. So, um, but, 
you know, those guys have run the roost for so long. They have so much control. They, they don't, they're not out of the box thinkers. They're not going to learn any kind of new techniques or new ways to develop. Uh, you know, why, I guess, why should they, they're going to win 25 games and get to the third round of the tournament or whatever. And, and they get that huge money on their contracts. But, uh, but I don't know. They're leaving so much on the table, and it's so frustrating to hear uh, that whole notion. And I think they train the, the fans to believe it, too. The fans are like, well, they're only there for six, seven months. They have to win. They're not there to develop players or whatever it is. And that's, that's, that's garbage, you know? Hmm. But to, Utah, Timmy had to attack from the wing a little bit. They'd be a better team. <laughs> I'm sorry. They would have been. Um, you know, and a lot of the Gonzaga guys come in the NBA not ready and can't play. Uh, this, despite having no, to, they, they know how to, to play capital T capital P, but they don't know how to play, you know, in the NBA don't have what they need. Um, I don't, I just don't see why they couldn't, you know, uh, they couldn't get both of those things uh, at the same thing. And then, then it's like, well, why are you going to go to Gonzaga then? You know, you're, you're not going to get, you know, developed that way. But then again, the, who, the question then would be, where would you go to get developed to play in the NBA these days? Villanova. But go ahead, Combo. So, You're about to say something. So, t- so Timmy is a really, really good basketball player. He just doesn't fit in an NBA niche. And I think back way, way back when, in like the 90s and the 80s and maybe the early 2000s, you just drafted the best college basketball players. And it's just not like that anymore. You got to draft players that fit an NBA niche or you think could become an NBA star. And obviously you want players that are also the best college basketball players in the country, but fit an NBA niche and could be an NBA star. But that's not always the case. Right. So I just think the way college basketball has changed and the way the NBA drafts talent has changed in a big way. Uh, Kevin Love was not was not fast. Um, I don't think he shot threes, did he? Let me look. No, but he was he was a monster though. <laughs> yeah. He was so much better than he was Tim. a lot. He he was a lot more athletic than Timmy, I think. Oh, interesting, interesting. And he was okay. too. Kyle, Kyle yeah. Anderson was mentioned in the comments too, of a guy who's not athletic and kind of. But he's know, so it, much more skilled. Like the guys, like it's yeah, complete like, opposite, right? Kyle Anderson is a six ten. He's a point forward. Guy who could exactly like he had the ball in his hands. He yeah. can he can dribble. He can shoot a little. He could shoot a little bit. Yeah. Uh, until he like messed up his shoulder, but yeah. As far as I'm concerned, Timmy is good enough where he, they could have developed more. Uh, over enough time what 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 do you think his role could be in the nba well he would be you know and, and also it, it also especially on defense can you guard anybody can you guard everybody no i well, feel like timmy would get cooked in pick and rolls like they would just most, uh, come on he's come a on. and honestly people don't realize and people and because of this people don't realize how good of a basketball player he is that guy is a really 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 good basketball right. player he just he just mm-hmm. doesn't fit the nba game I mean, listen, you can get a lot of mileage out of him in the high post. You know, I mean, you know, I, I don't I, – I, the low post would be interesting because, again, it's not done a lot, and they weren't going to – they're not going to let a rookie come in and get, like, eight or nine post-ups in a game. Exactly. Um, I mean, Coach Dick, you got, you got guys like Bam and Jokic doing that, though. Right. You're not going to – you're not just going to, like, revolve offense around Timmy in the mid-post. I don't and, think. And by the way, I have, I have in my mind so – over the last several years – when it gets down to it in the tournament against some really good athletic uh, defenders for Timmy, he struggles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and most He's, of the time, the Gonzaga players all struggle when it gets down to that. When they really yeah, get fast and really athletic, they just, no matter what they do or don't do, they, I mean, I think probably the issue is they don't prepare even enough uh, in the regular season for that. Uh, maybe it's really hard to do that. The conference. Yeah, the, the conference doesn't help you. You can do it in the beginning of the year, but there's a lot of time in between that and the tournament. So they should probably switch conferences, I guess, would be the answer, right? So they can continue to get that. But I, I also think it's, you know, I, I think I'm kind of down on Mark Few. I think that's what I'm saying uh, at this point. Also, you know what I'm really um, down on? And I hate to say it because I was looking for who just got um, – somebody got fired. Oh, something happened. Somebody said something terrible a couple months ago. Oh, I know. Uh, Martin. Was it Frank Martin? Was Did Frank Martin just get canned? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it's Huggins, right? Bob Huggins from West Virginia. Yeah, Huggins got is gone, right? I thought he stepped down. Was he fired or stepped down? Well, he he, or... he said he had a terrible slur uh, against homosexual people uh, a month ago, and then he was a was a DUI. Was was that what it was? Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. It just came out like in the last you know earlier this week. But uh, hmm. Bob Huggins he resigned, but like you know he's fired. Um, <laughs> what happens? He resigned. They they let him resign. Um, but he, he, he did a slur and that was terrible. And then, um, 
I think it was a DUI. Yeah, he's arrested. So I was looking for th that information and I came across Mark Few getting pulled over uh, and the body cam footage of that from two years ago. Did you see this? Have you heard about this? No. Mark Few got arrested for a DUI. And I got to tell you, you watch that footage. And if you want to see a privileged asshole, see, I don't know if I can say anyway, Sorry for YouTube. Uh, you know, it just, it just sort of, I don't know. I, I, it, I responded in a way where I'm like, I bet you this is how he is in practice. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't figure any other way to like, look at that. And it, I'm really down on, on that. And especially because of the body of work, as far as the development of the players is there too, in a negative way for me. So anyway, uh, it's an interesting conversation. Now you, you would have said that the teams that, that would develop really well would be Baylor, right? Baylor is probably one of those teams that can, could, uh, you know, certainly. Villanova. Uh, in Virginia, one. for some reason, it's Virginia. Those guys struggle, don't they? No, Brogdon, um, hey, the Brock. guy off of off of um, Atlanta, the wing, yeah, uh, DeAndre Hunter, um, Kyle guy, but he's overseas now. Um, Kyle, but then 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 the other guy who's on the the Warriors, um, Joe Harris, he went to Virginia. Yeah, other guys on the war on the Warriors. All right. Virginia. All right, I'll do that. But you know, like they have a few. They'll know anymore. So that's the other question: is that development still there or not? That's, that's true. Um, we should find that out because I, I can't remember the guy that took over. Isn't a was he a Dre Wright disciple? I don't think so. Do you know kind I, of was it? Who? Oh. No, I think he's from a different um, college. He is. Oh, I thought it was one of their lead assistants that got replaced him. It wasn't. Oh. I don't know. This is you know, it's a little embarrassing that I don't pay attention to college more. But uh, nonetheless. Um, Anyway, so so there, there aren't a lot. That's the thing. I mean, that's the problem. And it should be. You should be able to go to college and expect to get uh, when you get a scholarship, you know, the best training you can. And instead, you're going to get training from some of these places that's from the 90s or the 80s. They need to you know? I mean, they need to they need to uniform the rules, too, if they want to keep it. If Which you want to develop college and NBA rules should be more similar. Thank you. Actress. Yeah, uh, because. So, um, because um, yeah. overseas, it's more similar from like the youth to the 19U to the – it's all similar rules, like 10-minute quarters, you know, same three-point line. Okay. That doesn't really change in overseas. Like the, the rules are very similar. Should college remove the half, like two halves? Yeah, I, it, it's – women's has four quarters, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Right? They changed that a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, hey, should they have a jump ball? I mean, you know. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Um, yeah, college needs – they need a bit romantic. They need to make the gatherer step, uh, you know, a rule just once and for all. They, they're, like, inching toward it, so it's annoying because now I'm dealing on, t on Twitter with stuff where it's like, well, you can do a step back with a gather step. That's legal, even though they haven't, they haven't codified it in the rule book, but they have an addendum that says it. But, you know, it's all they, – they can't commit. It's, I don't, college basketball has got some issues. They need to – And in you know, college – yeah, go ahead, Ken. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Now, I was just going to say real quick, you can fall down with the ball in college and it's of travel, but in NBA, it isn't. That's so weird to me. Right. You have a little leeway. And you should have a little wave if you, leeway if you fall down, right? You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a problem. And I and I think that part of the issue I might even have with the college refereeing could very well be the rule book itself. And I think that if you get really fundamentally uh, focused on the words and how to, how to interpret those, you know, you, you might end up getting on the wrong side of me where I'm like, that's a terrible call, but if you actually break it down and understand the college version of that rule, then it, it, they call it the writer was supposed to call it. So th there's a revamping that needs to be done, but it just sounds terrible. The whole NIL thing sounds terrible. It sounds like uh, the coaches don't like it. They don't want the players to have any kind of agency in, in this. Um, you know, you've seen these quotes about these, these coaches who are complaining about it. And it's like, it's that it goes back to that Mark few thing. Mark few gets pulled over and they, they talk to him in a, in an authoritative manner and he can't handle it. You know what I mean? He cannot handle, you know, not being able to be in control of everything all the time. And it's like, you know, that's not the optimal way to even approach this today anyway. And you would say, oh, they're going to be players going to be soft or whatever. It's like, no, you need to be able to listen a little bit. And that's uh, a problem. I think a lot of these, these coaches have after enough years uh, in, in sconce. Maybe there should be a term limit. Maybe there should be like, you know, coaching. You can't coach for more than like 10 years straight at a, at a school. Wow. How about that? That'd be interesting. 
or yeah, or maybe they maybe they limit the amount of money you can make. Is it? Nah. Yeah. We're, we're but I think about think about that. Imagine that. Or if you are going to stay on for more than ten years, then you have to like you know do what doctors do and go to like clinics and learn and put in some hours to develop you know whatever you're learning more. Because again, these, some of these people are getting these D one programs at all level. They're probably at every sport, expecting to have the top notch you know cutting edge teaching techniques, or whatever, and they're not getting it. And then they're being you know, in other countries, you have to go to a special school to get your coaching certificate. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. There was like a place in Israel called the Wingate, and every coach had to go there if you want to how coach long, any how level. Long? That's it. I think it's a it's a good amount of time. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'm gonna look I don't know that. exactly. I don't know because I didn't coach, but I remember right. that. <laughs> well, I gotta go. I got the family uh, buzz in my ear. But again, thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday, guys. Yeah, we'll talk no soon. Problem. Thanks, Coach Nick. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks, thank you so much for the uh, super chat. And uh, we will be back. I'm sure next week we'll, we'll be back out there. Right, uh, right, Combo? Yeah, we'll find All a right, time. We'll and um, and then, you know, oh, my God, it's going to be Summer League soon. So, you know, maybe maybe we will be together. We'll see, Combo. We'll, um, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Chris, July 7th. The next one? Yes, sir. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for being out there. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. 